All right, so this episode is about when I had a dissected carotid artery and how I healed my brain after that happened. It was quite the ride. <laughs> a little scary, you know, but that's okay. I made it through, you know. I, I faced death. Um, and also, just a little announcement that I have some information that I am going to play for you right after this intro before we start the actual podcast itself because um, they are sponsors of the show and because it has some really good information in it. So do listen for the information. And if you are interested in any of those products, please do look in my show notes for all of the links. Um, And that is a way to support the show. And I would love it if you'd have a look and uh, would love your support. All right, so let's go. I'm very discerning about what companies and initiatives I partner with when it comes to promoting anything to my community. Extremely discerning. And this is why you will rarely see me partnering with anyone by way of promotions unless those things are what I call heavy hitters helpful for most everybody and every body, and that support the body's natural processes rather than suppress, and are things my own family uses or does every day for our own health. My mission is to help people to help themselves, to illuminate the possibilities for health and healing. So I must tell you about these three things before we, be- we begin this episode. First up, doTERRA essential oils. There are several clean oil companies I love, but doTERRA is my go-to because of their quality, speed and delivery, and my own successful history with their products. I use essential oils every single day in my diffuser. I use them topically on my skin and inhaling straight from the bottle in combinations depending on my needs at the time. You should see my cupboard full of oils. I actually have um, Calare Sage going right now in my office. <laughs> and you will find them in my office, my bathroom, my bedroom, and my purse. <laughs> I have a tiny purse, and the only things that are in it are my wallet and six oils. <laughs> so some quick tips. We use the citruses for uplifting our moods. Our current favorite is Citrus Bliss. We use frankincense for the deeper healing relating to the brain, inflammation, and raising consciousness. Um, I love that oil. I just used it on my ankle when I injured it playing basketball, and I put a little bit on my third eye for raising consciousness at times when I, when I want to do that. Sandalwood and vanilla smell so good to me. Those are some of my favorite smells. And sandalwood like speaks to um, men in particular, or even women who like the smell of it on their men. <laughs> I love sandalwood and vanilla, but um, my kids, not so much. It might be an acquired uh, scent, I guess. <laughs> so peppermint for digestion, copaiba and lavender for calm and inflammation. And my favorites right now that I slather on... My pulse points several times a day are the heady, gorgeous florals like neroli and rose for trauma and skin and my beloved jasmine that makes me feel emotionally whole, sensual, beautiful, and grounded. We cohabitate with and rely on plants to not only live but to live with health. The information that is passed from plant to body can be ingested, absorbed, or inhaled. 
Essential oils are the distilled essence of these plants, delivering vital and vitalizing information via phytochemistry to the very cells of our eagerly receptive human bodies. So you can go to my doTERRA link in the show notes, mydoterra.com backslash HFF essentials and click either shop or sign up at the top of the page to explore away. And just note that using my link will help us to keep this podcast going. So do use it. Okay, so second up is microbiome labs. Another essential synergistic relationship we have with our natural world is with that of the microbes that outnumber us humans by orders of magnitude. In fact, we carry about three to six pounds of bacteria in our guts. These bacterial life forms are essential to life as without them, we could not break down or assimilate our food. These bacteria produce vitamins and keep each other in balance. They are essential for our mental, emotional wellness um, by way of psychobiotics, or the name is psychobiotics when applied in this way, um, to our skin health and immune function. Without them, we would die. Literally, we would die. We could not, we would cease to exist. We need them to live. With the assaults these bacteria have taken due to the overuse of chemical spraying, overuse of antibiotics, and poor lifestyle habits, many people are struggling with symptoms related to the depletion of these essential bacteria that reside in and on our bodies, leading to the imbalance or dysbiosis of the bacteria that survive. I recommend that people eat organic. Avoid harsh antibacterials, eat a rainbow of whole foods, and eat fermented foods to maintain a healthy microbiome on the skin, in the mouth, in the gut, in the brain, etc. Yet sometimes we need a little boost. This is where microbiome labs, spore-based probiotics come in. So hop onto their website for tons of information. They're just like always researching and and providing resources for people, and me, myself included, and helpful products that will help you repair and replenish your microbiome. Since Microbiome Labs only sells through practitioners, you'll need to use my link in order to purchase, so check out the show notes for the link. And once on their website, fill out your information because they will need your information to ship to you, and then just shop away. Read, find out more, whatever you might need, work with your provider if you need some help with selecting your microbiome will thank you. And last but not least, a gadget that has brought light, balanced brains, elevated states of emotion, and overall wellness to our lives, my family's life, the Soul Shine Phytovites Light. Did you know that light is an essential nutrient? And did you know that lack of light or the wrong light or the right light at the wrong time of day what Ken Cedar and John Ott call malillumination, can discombobulate the hormonal and neurochemical systems of the body, resulting in symptoms some would diagnose as seasonal affective disorder, sleep problems, ADHD, obesity, learning and focus struggles, depression, and anxiety. The number one way to receive light nutrition is to get out into the sunshine. But if you can't get enough, or can't get outside enough, or if your days are short, like winter here in Saskatchewan, or if you need extra light healing, give the Soul Shine Phytovites a go. This light got us through some pretty long winters and days at the computer. Just plug it in and point it towards your face for a few minutes a day. Okay, so it's super bright, like a starship from space at first, <laughs> but you totally get used to it and learn to crave the effects. Like I'm like 
oh, I just want it. I put it on my, I just, I actually turn it on over and over and over again. I can't, like, I can't stop. <laughs> it feels so good. So do check out my interview with Ken Cedar of The Science of Light, dear friend and the best person you could possibly ever encounter for an in-depth interview about malillumination and illumination and where you can be inspired by Ken's heart, his wisdom, his dedication to the health of our children and check out the lights on their website. Ken has given my community a generous $50 off with the promo code HFF and both links are in the show notes below. And if you want more in or more health giving information, grab my book, Family Health Revolution, The Definitive Approach to Elevating Your Family's Health for an encyclopedia of information on how to use lifestyle medicine to overcome dis-ease, illness, discomfort, demedicalize family health, slow down fast-paced modern family life, reduce stress, and return your family to the ease of wellness naturally. All right, so without further ado, the podcast you've been waiting for. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. About four or five years ago, uh, and I actually can't believe that I don't really remember what year it was, because <laughs> it was kind of significant. I could probably look back at tests and stuff. I don't know. I know what time of year it was. I just don't know what year it was. But it was about four or five years ago. I had a spontaneous, and I say that in quotation marks, because when they say spontaneous, really what the category is or the definition of spontaneous dissected carotid artery is that we don't know why it happened. And I'll tell you what, I actually think I do know why, but I'm going to get to that. So I had a spontaneous dissected carotid artery. And the dissection is actually even speculative because I had a blood clot that completely occluded, which means blocked the blood flow to the left side of my brain. Like for real, I really had that. Um, and the interesting thing is that when I asked the neurologist, like, you know, is this for sure that the blood clot was caused by a tear? And he said, well, you can't really tell, but, um, why else would there be a blood clot? So it was basically like, I don't know, like the clot was there, but we don't really know why, what started that. And if it did, if there was a tear in my carotid artery, then why did that happen? So a bunch of questions never really answered in the uh, medical sense. <clears throat> okay, so for real, this really happened. That was, was insane. I actually, okay, so I'll tell you the story and I'm going to like add a few funny bits, actually, <laughs> believe it or not. So I woke one morning with this massive headache that felt different than any headache I've ever had. And I have a history of a lot of migraines, right? So in my teenhood, I started to get migraines. I um, realized that when I had caffeine, that it would trigger migraines and people often have the opposite effect. But um, I, and then I, even when I went off of caffeine and, you know, addressed a major trigger and started to look into foods that were high in histamine or, you know, were considered to be migraine triggers. I was going that route at that time. 
Um, but I was still getting like massive like migraines that I would have to lay in bed for like hours, like five, six hours. And I even went to the hospital a few times to get some kind of shot of medication. Okay, so that's how it was for me. And this is where I turned to was uh, medications because I just wanted to stop instead of figure out what happened. So that's another story for another time. Um, but uh, I healed from those, those, and I rarely get them. I might get a migraine once a year, and I know why I got it. So um, just quick, if you have headaches and you're listening to me and you're like, but, but, but I don't want to wait for the migraine episode. Uh, I'll tell you B6, I was deficient in my B vitamins and I wasn't getting enough vitamin D. And I was like super low in vitamin D. And I also have a lot of lifestyle things that I've changed and I don't, I didn't drink caffeine, but actually I drink a lot of green tea now, which is very interesting. So listen to that episode when I somehow come to do it. (laughs) I'm not sure when that's coming, but I will do a migraine episode, especially if people ask me to. Anyway, so I rarely get them anymore. Um, And so this, these headaches, it was like, it was more than a migraine though. And I knew it was, and it was paired with ptosis and meiosis, which is a droopy eyelid and wonky pupils, right? Like you're like, you're looking at me going, and my, my son said the next day, he said, you look like a cartoon character, mom. <laughs> I was like, thanks. So we use a lot of humor in our home. We, we laugh about things, even if it's a little bit serious. It's like, you know, and I was thinking that night, like when I was in the hospital, and I was sort of like shuffled off into one of the rooms and no, you know, nobody was really paying attention to me because this is sort of the uh, experience that you have when you go into an emergency hospital um, area, emergency area of a hospital. And uh, my husband and I were just like waiting and waiting and they said, oh, yeah, well, we're, uh, well, actually, no, no, no. Okay, just wait. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But this was after I had the, the testing done. Okay, so I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up. So anyway, we do laugh. Okay, but I'm going to get to that point, that, that part of the story in a second. All right, so meiosis, ptosis, or sorry, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, looking a little wonky. And so I thought, mm, you know, I probably should go to some kind of emergency care. <laughs> Because I'm looking in the mirror going, yeah, look good at all. So um, I drove myself in the 45 minutes to the city. And I think everybody was busy. I think that, well, all the kids were living at home at that point, I think. Um, again, I don't remember that. Uh, my, my son might have been in the city by then. But anyway, so I drove myself to the hospital. And it was it was not the emergency room. I'm like, I'm not going there and wasting my time in the emergency room. I'm going to go somewhere where they really know neurology. And I'd already had an appointment with a functional neurologist, actually a functional ophthalmologist, actually. No, a neurological ophthalmologist. That's what they were. Neurological ophthalmologist. Okay. So the brain and the eyes. And I'd had that appointment because I was already, okay. So this is, this is key. I was already having wonky um, symptoms that I knew had to do with my brain. And I don't mean I have this malfunctioning brain, I have all this brain damage. I actually prefer when people don't really refer to things like that in that way, because it makes you seem damaged and unwell. And that's not how I see it now in any way. But I was having weird balance stuff. I was having to u- I had to use the rail of the stairs to go up and down because I was, didn't trust myself to not fall. 
And um, so a bunch of vestibular stuff. I had been like researching and I knew a lot about the brain because um, I worked with kids with pandas. I worked with lots of people, um, you know, that like, you know, like dyslexia or like ADHD or, you know, kiddos with autism. Also knowing this, like, I was really deep into functional neurology, especially since discovering the work of Datis Karazian, I would say in 2012. Like, I think that book was written in 2012, and I read it all the way to a mastermind that I attended in San Diego. Um, We drove there, my kids and I and my mom. But that's another story for another time as well. But anyway, I was up to my the top of my head in functional neurology I'd actually seen different functional neurologists I tried to get the training but they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't a doctor so I had to take all the other trainings that they would allow me to take and then I was finally able to access it after years of frustration when they opened it up to uh, a more broader um, community of interested people anyway so that long story short I was already on the brain train Okay, knowing that these things are brain related. And so um, it's not about, you know, like weakness or like even like a weakness in an arm or that gait of a walk, like all that stuff was telling me things about what areas of my brain were affected and what I could do about it. So I was already doing some of that. But then I had this blood clot supposedly caused by a dissected carotid artery. Okay, so I get to this. So what I did was I'd already had an appointment with the functional ophthalmologist. No, 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 no. Sorry. An, uh, uh, <laughs> a neurological ophthalmologist. Okay. I keep messing that up. Anyway, so I had this appointment already. But what they did was they got me in with one of their residents because I was already considered a, a patient. So I went there and they actually are located in one of the hospitals. So I just bypassed all that mess. And I went straight up there and they said, okay, well, he said he'd see you, you know, 10 o'clock. Can you get here for that? I'm like, well, it's like 8 o'clock, 8, 8.30 now. Yep, I'm just going to get ready and go. I packed my my laptop because I had a newsletter to get out that day. And I like I was like peering out of like one eye in the waiting room, literally still doing my work. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, but I had to pass the time and I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it. Okay, so even if it was something serious, I'm not going to like freak out and and predict the future and get all excited and make the situation worse because I knew in my heart of hearts that this wasn't just physical. It actually wasn't even physical to begin with. Okay, so I don't know whether to tell you that part of the story now or later. I think I'll tell you that later. All right, so I drove myself to the hospital. Um, I kind of like wrangled this, you know, well, the intern was very nice to me when I talked to him and he actually spoke to him before I came in. He said, come on in. Um, we did this, like some preliminary tests. So it took a long time because they were busy. So I was there pretty much like for 12 hours, but I got the correct tests and I was with the, in the right hands. Um, so there was like this cocaine test that I had to take that involved like dropping these eye drops into my eye and like seeing how my pupils reacted. And when we had to do that the next day because they didn't have the materials on hand. So I had to actually go home, come back the next day. So I drove myself back the next day. I was like, do, do, do. Like, and, you know, so I did my newsletter and I did, you know, some of these tests and they, you know, did pressure tests, all these kinds of things. And then the next day I had to come back in for this cocaine test. <laughs> so I was like, mm, okay. Um, 
And then I failed that. I guess I'll just use the word failed. That didn't go well. And he's just not, it wasn't the result he wanted to see. So he sent me for a CT scan to rule out. And he said, okay, let's rule you out for two things that could kill you like now, like a brain tumor and a dissected carotid artery. And he was trying to make me feel better, right? So we're like, he's like, I just, we're going to rule out these two things that could kill you right now, okay? And I'm like, okay. So, and I'm thinking, shit, man, like, if he has to tell me that I have either one of those things, uh, it's not going to be that easy for him. So anyway, <laughs> I drove myself to the hospital after calling the neuro, the, so yeah, I drove myself. Okay, so he tells me this to make me feel better. And naturally, okay, so the first thing I thought when he had to call me with the results, so I was, okay, so I went to, the, okay, we did the CT scan, could get me in later in the day, got me in, it was like emergency, right? And I went to, I went straight there. I'm like, well, I'm not sitting here in the stupid hospital. So I'm gonna, and he said, okay, what's your number? Obviously, I had my number, but I go to my daughter's ringette game that she's already playing. And so there's a bunch of parents that I like to chit chat with. My husband was there because he took her there after work. And we managed to make things work and schedule in my <laughs> my exit from the family so I could take care of this. And I um I showed up there and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And he's like, worried about me. And he's like, I'm like, don't make it worse than it is. Like, I'm good. Let's just watch the game. So I get the call from the resident and he's like, <laughs> he tells me, um, okay, so where are you? And I said, I'm at the rink. And he said, well, you have a blood clot uh, in your carotid artery, dissect carotid artery that creates this blood clot. I, I, you need to get to the hospital right now. <laughs> I said, okay. And I, the, you know, and what I was thinking, the first thing I thought when he had to tell me that was that <laughs> poor sucker, he's got to tell me this majorly, like potentially upsetting information or this, this, this news that he, he told me he could kill me the day before. And I was like, one of the two things that could kill you right now. And this was like, yeah, that blood clot moves, you've got a stroke, right? So I was, of course, I was concerned. But I again, I'm not going to go down the crazy train. Okay, I'm not gonna get all stressed out. But what if I did think like, well, what does this mean? Like, do I need surgery? Like, how high up is this? Or does it resolve itself? Like, do I do we have to repair a tear? Because I was thinking like, what if I need surgery and they got to open up my head? Okay, like that, I was kind of, that was a little freaky. But other than that, I'm like, okay, I got this. It's okay. So I went and said, well, we need to go. And so we arranged things for people to get places. And my husband and I went straight to the hospital. Okay. So I, <laughs> we're at the hospital. We get sort of shuffled off. We said, well, we know what the problem is. So what do we do? And so it's just basically antiplatelet therapy. So it's just so I don't like the clot will dissolve. And it, it would have anyway, because it was already starting to resolve itself in my body. I knew it was. I could feel it. It wasn't as bad. The headache was was getting better. I could think. It's not like I, you know, couldn't like function, you know, like that sounds serious that, you know, it's, it's occluding that artery and preventing oxygenated blood to enter that side of my brain. But I didn't feel like I was, you know, I was getting any worse or, you know, anything like that. I was, I was starting to heal, but we were left in that room. I don't know, it was probably two or three in the morning before we said, okay, look like, aren't I supposed to be starting on something? It was basically aspirin and one medication. And I'm not a big medication person, but I do see 
where emergency medicine needs to, can come in and be useful. And um, so I did that. They finally brought it to me like, oh, okay. And I, then we could just, we were sent home. I was sent home. And I'm, I'm glad to be home. I That's where I think I need to be. So we did that. And um, <laughs> so we, okay, so where am I? Uh, so then we went home. And after that, I just started healing and healing and healing. And now I'm going to back up to what I think actually happened. Okay. And so this is something. Okay. So, and I'm all, and then I'm going to actually tell you how I healed that. And um, I think there was a, I had a big fit actually the day before I went, I had this headache. I actually believe that, and I don't want to lay blame on myself, but I do want to say that I caused my own dissection or the clot itself. Because um, I had, I was really upset and I literally had like, like I was yelling and I had a big fit the day before. I wasn't at my kids or anything like that. Not like this is not what I was doing, but I got very, very upset. And I think this is what happened. And I thought, well, at first it's because I have a weakness in that particular part of my body. And when you, you know, have a big thing like that happen and my dad has vascular issues and like, you know, like scleroderma and things like that. And I thought, well, this is why, because I already have this weak chain in the link, link in the chain. And this is what we've taught in functional medicine. It's like, okay, well, where's the weakest link? And this is where that happens. But I started to, to, um, research, uh, German new medicine and um, years later, right? So I knew it was emotional. It was it was hundred percent emotional. I wouldn't that would not have happened to me had I not had this like breaking point. Um, but I years later I started to to uh, research that and I looked at what the conflict shock that might create you know a problem in this particular part of the body. You'll have to I, I might do a piece about this or look at look this up if you want to ne- learn more about that um, German new medicine. Or Germanic knowledge, but um, when I looked that up, the correlation with what what like condition correlates with what uh, conflict shock. So the arteries, the carotid arteries, are related to territorial conflict. That was a hundred percent what I was upset about. Hundred percent, and. I didn't recognize it at the time, but this was a healing process. So I was actually, I, it's not that I created damage. I actually set in motion an adaptive process of healing that conflict. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So look, so I've been doing that. I mean, this is what I do. I look retrospectively and say, okay, hmm. What, what is it like, is this correlated to that? Is this, and yeah, it, I mean, this is one of the instances where I'm like, yeah, okay, this is crazy. This is really, really significant. All right. So now I'm going to get to what I did to heal my brain in the meantime, before I knew this was part of my healing process. It was an adaptive response of my body to heal something that was, um, a conflict shock or a, like literally, um, a threat to my, to me, right? Like, you know, taking me out of safety and into um, some kind of conflict, right? That creates a shock. And so the body will respond. And so I, so, okay. So how did I fit? How did I heal this? Um, I did um, the emotional work for sure. And I took a lot of stock of my life. I started to get deeper in my ability to do life. Like as far as getting off the crazy train before I get to that point, I did a lot of work 
on um, blame and victimhood and um, being territorial about, you know, and really moving from being territorial to having healthy boundaries. And I said no to a life that wasn't good for myself or people I was in conflict with. I said no to that. I said that is not good enough for either of us. It's not your fault or my fault. It's not about fault. It's about what do we want next and how do we want to connect? And so that's one thing I did. There's a whole lot of things that I could talk about there that would probably take a book to explain. But but um, another thing I did was I didn't use the medication for long to the chagrin. And I'm not, this is not advice for anybody, but to the chagrin of <laughs> the, the neurologist uh, that I was sent to, who was really not that patient with my questions. I really, I wanted to see the scans. I wanted to know what was going on. I want, you know, and I, I, I feel like we have a right. And if we have the desire to see that, Yes, we might not know how to interpret that. Um, I felt, though, at that point, I really had a lot of knowledge where I could interpret it correctly. And I mean, as far as like, you know, people don't want you to get over excited or fearful of what the results might say. They they don't want misinterpretation. And I, I totally get that. Um, but I was, I was, you know, equipped enough with the information to, to just take things with a grain of salt, but as well kind of see, oh, okay, this is what's going on there physiologically or physically speaking. So, um, so yeah, I, I, so I wanted to know more, not to see what was wrong with me, but to see how I could heal deeply well, you know, and very well and know what I was sort of not up against, but what I was looking at. Okay. So I did, instead of the medications, I actually switched over to high dose um, fish oil because it's extremely nourishing for the brain and it's repairing. And it actually helps to build the cell wall at the cellular level because our cells are, you know, encased and they're built with fat. So I'm not wanting to eat a bunch of French fries and creating very, um, non-porous cells, you know, that don't breathe and don't uh, absorb oxygen well. But I want cells that are, you know, uh, breathe, I guess you could use the word breathe, and um, be pliable and be a very healthy cell wall. So I did high-dose fish oil. It's very um, common knowledge actually now, especially in the functional medicine space, that the fish oils or the oils, oils are very, very important for brain health. So I did that. I went to a functional, or so maybe I'll stick with the diet. So what else did I do for diet? I did, um, you know, lots of greens and lots of, you know, very high, highly nutritious diet. And I was already on that train anyway to begin with. I'd already been doing all that stuff. Um, and I also did, like, I made sure I got enough sleep. I rested. I took some time off of, like, working so much um, and resting my brain right? And being able to integrate stuff rather than cramming things in so insistently and friends in a frenzy. It was a really difficult time, though, like, just so you know, in my life. Um, and like, even in the immediate living situation that I was in. And it was a real challenge to stay committed to my wellness at the same time as really going through some of the most difficult years of my life. So um, it's not just about nutrition, but nutrition really helped to give me 
the building blocks to heal physically and the wherewithal, right? Because a healthy brain leads to healthy, you know, thoughts and emotions and such biochemistry. And that was all really important to me. So I did turmeric for, you know, to make sure that, you know, if there was any um, excessive blood clotting, that it would, uh, my body would handle it and uh, would be anti-inflammatory. So I knew that my body was doing its job. I just, I just did a handful of things to help it along by giving it the correct inputs, nutrition and um, energy basically. So I didn't do a whole bunch of stuff that might be actually suppressive. Um, I did things that were supportive. And um, again, so like the sleep and the stress uh, and still continuing to work on the why, like as far as in this whole sense of my life trajectory, my life journey, my soul journey, right? What was this about? What was this telling me to pay attention to? And um, I also went to a functional neurologist and I, I was still trying to learn on my own all of these, the details and all of the teachings and like, you know, literally these were each course was like, like hundreds of hours long. Like if I printed out a couple of them and the stack of paper was like a phone book and a half. Like that's how much work there is to lots. Of, that's how much there's to know about the brain. But we don't need to know all of that for the basics. Um, so I went to a functional neurologist who actually helped, like gave me some exercises to do to actually recalibrate, rebalance, um, and 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 stimulate certain parts of my brain. So he assessed me and just basically like, does this move arm move like this? And does the shoulder slump this way? And, you know, how does your eye droop? And like all these different things. How's your gait? And, you know, I actually went to two of them. Um, and, uh, I actually went to a few chiropractors too, but like, but they were actually both chiropractors that were functional neurologists. And, um, I managed to find two in my city, but the first one I went to, he helped me. And then the second one I went to, she helped me. And so there was a lots of like, um, good expertise, um, in this process of, I guess I would call it repair, helping my body along into this repair process. So I did things like, you know, a half spin in my chair, you know, once a day or looking at the specific dot or, you know, moving my eyes this way and that way. And so there were things like that, that just stimulated parts of my brain to say, hey, make new connections. Hey, grow in this way. Hey, may, you know, become more plastic. Um, and hey, wake up. <laughs> so I, I got better. I got better and I got better and I got better. And, um, yeah, so that is one of the things that I did that was really useful. Um, so let me think here. I, I want to wrap this up, but I just want to say that any sort of, I don't know if I'd consider this an injury, actually, because I wasn't, I didn't have a car accident. I didn't, this didn't happen because, um, you know, of a blunt force trauma or something like that. It was something that was an adaptive response. And sometimes things that look like an injury are actually the healing process. If there's no other, well, especially if there's no other catalyst that's apparent other than the body just doing something seemingly out of nowhere, right? Like, or thinking that it's hereditary. So just keep that in mind. Um, Nourish your brain. Uh, Your brain is not 
where your mind is, right? Or where your soul is, but it is an interpretive um, organ that helps you to be in the world, to see the world, to interpret the world. And so we need it. <laughs> we need it. We need it to experience harmony and um, to experience our lives. And so And um, when mine wasn't working so great or the connections weren't happening so well, um, that was really affecting my life. And it made me stop and say, okay, let's nourish this part of you so that we can move on and, um, you know, walk up and down the stairs without, you know, feeling uh, out of balance or so, you know, you can lead your program so that you... Uh, don't have all of these feelings of, I don't know, you know, fear about your future or so you can remember things or so, you know, and my recall was really bad at that point, actually. Um, and I still notice when I forget words or names or things. And I'm like, nope, that's not my brain. My brain doesn't have the problem. It's the connection and communication between my brain and um my consciousness, right? So um, being able to just slow down, actually, it's it's taught me new ways of being, because it doesn't necessarily mean there's a malfunction. It's just that there's only so much you can do at one time, right? And, and often people have the most intense, like people call them brain farts. It's sort of like, I don't like that word, but it's just kind of not appealing to me, but people call them brain farts, okay? What is that? Is that is that really a malfunction of your brain or it's just kind of slowing down a bit because things are coming too fast, right? It's overwhelmed. So lots of different things I'd love to say about the brain, but I just wanted to tell my story right now just to introduce this um, this topic about the brain and to give a little bit of insight into what I did to heal to and to continue healing and to continue allowing my body to do what it's designed to do, which is continuing to, like I said, to heal, to evolve, to expand. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I will see you on the flip side. And uh, do um, keep in mind that I have lots of programs, lots of services, one-on-one coaching, um, that sort of thing. So read the show notes. Be sure to read the show notes after this or below this podcast episode so that we can connect further. All right. Take care. May you and your family and the people you serve be well. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at www.patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at Healthy Family Formula and CarlaAthertonInspired.com. Find us on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton and on Clubhouse at Empowered Family. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis 
or medical treatment, but is the opinion of the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted healthcare providers if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility. (laughs) 